Thank you very much for coming. Yes. No problem. Um, you're a mechanical engineer, as I understood? Was. Uh, was yes. a mechanical engineer. Until today. Until yeah. today. Please. Until, uh, let's start yeah. with this. Okay. So, yeah. Sure. What so, happened today? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, about three weeks ago, I gave my notice that I was resigning from uh, my three-year career uh, after a five-year education as a mechanical engineer. No, so, Northeastern, right? From, yeah, I went to Northeastern. And Friday was my final day. So this was my first official day where my coworkers were at the office and I was not. It was very weird. Yeah. <laughs> so did you work the, the same place for three years or did you change work environments? Yeah, so the, the three years were at a company called Teradyne in North Reading. It's about 20 minutes north of Boston. And it's a corporate company about... 4,000 employees, I'd say, pretty global presence, and it's a semiconductor test equipment manufacturer. And the jobs that I did within the company were somewhat varied. It's, it's not like I was, you know, in, in marketing at some point and then engineering. It was all basically engineering, but at one point I was something called a tech, technical documenter, which is you, you create... Uh, create guidelines and work instructions for different people uh, for various levels of, of of understanding of the product basically so it really requires knowing the different um, the, the different not just the different products but the different audiences that you're gonna have to produce the content for yeah. so um, that was pretty different than the engineering that I did mm, right and you worked for Amazon as well Amazon Robotics, yeah. yeah. That was, a, that was a, so I would say that there were two times in particular in my life that I really snuck in the door at the right time. Timing can be yeah. pretty crucial. <laughs> yeah, you figure that out. So the first was with Northeastern. I had originally wanted to go to a school. I, I had about four, no, maybe five or six schools that I was interested in going to. Harvard or, one, uh, let's see, Tufts were the reach schools. And then Northeastern was kind of the fallback. But I went to Northeastern, the co-op program, and then it became like this phenomenal school that everybody tried to get yeah. into right after I had already gotten in. So if I was a couple years older, would I have gotten in? I like to think so, but I'm, I'm not sure. So the, the other good luck was with Amazon Robotics. Mm -hmm. It was a company called Kiva Systems. And oh, I, I, I heard that name before. Kiva Systems? No, actually, I've never heard that. I heard that name. They, they made these orange warehouse robots that they, they, they're, they're little rectangles and they go pick, and, yeah, pick yeah. stuff up. So Amazon bought them out. But at the point where I saw on the co-op page at Northeastern, when I was scrolling through the possible co-ops, it was listed as Kiva Systems. Mm -hmm. And that was in my hometown, North Reading, where Teradyne is. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, you know, it looks pretty cool. I'll give it a shot. And just after I got there, they started to rebrand as Amazon Robotics. Oh. So, so I got to really put that onto my resume and, nice. and then it became a hugely popular co-op position after that because everybody Amazon's a buzzword yeah it right? blew up yeah. Yeah. blew up yeah. recently exactly I mean recently and what, what, what did you do there for Kiva Systems or Amazon Robotics so I came in at a time I, I was a hardware engineer co-op and typically the, the first co-op I had they it's not like they're sending you out to get their coffee but they really don't involve you deeply I'm sure some companies I guess do. anything that you do the first time you know Exactly. You're, pro you're proving yourself. You're getting some yeah. coffee. And, yeah. yeah. And Kiva slash Amazon Robotics really, really brought me into the team, which was pretty cool. Uh, and that was my third co-op. How big was the company? Let's see. I would say about 400 at that location in North Reading. And they were just coming out with a new generation drive unit, one of those those robots that was capable of lifting twice as much or something like that. Yeah. So I got to see all the behind-the-scenes work on that and the testing that they do and everything. That was yeah, cool. We, we signed the NDA. We don't have to worry about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, um, so what made you change your perspective and go from all this mechanical hardware engineering and, and, and change 
and like quit your job today mm -hmm. or yesterday and uh, go into new things, what, what made you make this decision? What was the driver? Great question. So it was not spontaneous. It's not something that I just said, mm, you know, I'm tired of this. I'm going to do something else. It was a long time coming. I think that back, let's see, nine years ago now, roughly, when, when you're a sophomore in high school, when you have to decide what you're going to major in at, at your, um, your university, I took a wrong turn. I knew that I was intrigued by engineering, but it's not something that really existed at the school that I went to. I went to a public high school, so there were not really engineering classes offered there. And I said, you know, I think I'd be interested in this. I think I was drawn to the fact that the career had prestige and it had a good outlook monetary-wise, you know. So I was drawn to those two things, but it wasn't really in line with what I am. How I started to explain it recently was I'm an engineer by profession, but not by nature, which means that you have to work harder to achieve. You have to work harder to achieve the same results as as other people who might be an engineer naturally. And that's not bad to work harder. I'm not against working hard, but as you advance in your career, it's going to become more and more difficult for you to reach that next level because you're going to be hitting a wall that other people who have these natural skills aren't going to be hitting. They're just going to be cruising right past it. And at that point, I saw myself settling at some level of middle management that I really wasn't going to like yeah. and having a terrible career that I was not happy with. So looking at all of that, I said, okay, what am I actually good at? And I've always been pretty personable, gregarious. I, I really like having conversations with people and I like very diverse ideas and, and really sort of talking through them with people. So I've been listening to a lot of podcasts for the last, I'd say, two years now. And I, I just said, you know what, why couldn't I do something like this? So that's really the background of it. Yeah, I mean, this is how this podcast started itself. Basically, yeah. we, we, we had the interesting conversation with teachers about like, because we, we studied finance. So he was mostly talking about what's happening in the world, financial environments, mm -hmm. uh, interest rates, blah, blah, blah. What's gonna, is there going to be a crisis, not a crisis, uh, Trump, politics. But anyways, mm -hmm. interesting conversation you have. And then we were like, well, why, not, why not record this? Why not? Because we had very smart people as teachers, mm -hmm. also successful people in their careers. And like, why not record these people? With, why not spread the knowledge exactly. that these people have for, for free? I mean instead of just like we being able to access it and the same time i mean we would we, we love doing it mm -hmm. so i think yeah why not i mean one thing that i noticed from your from your story you you actually came a long way in something you don't really like to do yeah which is pretty impressive i mean did, did it already like slowly but surely start during northeastern already that you noticed uh, during the studies that uh, it's not really my thing 100 absolutely yeah i i, I would say that was it more, more of a boredom or did you just think I could do this, but maybe just for three weeks, but not for three years or 30 years like this? No, it was something that I, there were warning signs that it wasn't for me. It, it, there was a little bit of boredom sometimes, but then I said, well, when I was at Northeastern, I said, okay, well, I've done some co-ops, but a co-op isn't really What's a exactly a co-op? A co-op is, so at Northeastern in particular, you have these six-month internships that are built into the curriculum. So you leave your classes, you work at a company for six months, and you're actually paid. So it's not like you're doing a free or, or an unpaid internship like so many uh, college students are complaining about how they put in all these hours and don't get paid. You get paid, which is great, and they're, they're pretty good companies. And it depends what your major is. I mean, engineers will get paid better than, than some of the humanities students, obviously. But is, this, is this then like, like a CPT, an like integrated CPT for international students, if, if you went to, to Northeastern? I don't know what a CPT is, yeah. but, but yeah, it's... A curricular... He's uh, American. He doesn't know. He's <laughs> a state Don't worry. Well, and and I'm just terrible with acronyms, no, no, which, yeah, is, yeah. which is one reason why corporate was just not for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's all acronyms. It's funny. Every time we mention some kind of a visa status to American, they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. We 
we're like thinking yeah. about this thing 24-7. Yeah. yeah. In the CPT's curricular practical training, it's, like, it's your uh, work period, your work permit okay. while you're still studying. And OPT, but they don't need the permits. They, yeah, they, they, they don't just need the permits. Yeah. That's why, yeah. Okay. It's just, but it's integrated probably at the end of the day for everybody. I guess you probably need these credits or like you have to you complete do. these co-ops in order to graduate. You right? do, absolutely. And how long was the whole program? It's five years. There's this weird thing where basically because you have three co some people can do two co-ops if they want, but yeah. most people do three co-ops and each of those is six months. And that just, it, it doesn't necessarily take the place of classes. It just displaces those classes. Right. You, know, you know what I mean? Like it's not like you, the classes that you would have done during that period, you just don't have to do anymore. Yeah. They're just it, waiting for you. It, it, it shifts the classes into the summer months. So for your first, you, you basically don't have summers when you go to Northeastern. Which is great. Yeah. Everybody hates summers, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. The first summer that I had at Northeastern after the end of freshman year, it, that was the only summer that you get. And it was four months, the first time I'd ever gotten a, a summer like that because high school summers are two months. Mm -hmm. It was too much time. It was it was weird. It was it was too much time, and I think you have the tendency when you have all that extra time to not use it effectively and to spend a lot of your money. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> if you're running around, you can spend a lot of money in Boston. Yeah, yeah. That. that's why I was mainly here, Mr. Halt, yeah. chilling here, studying here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, our summers here were pretty much productive because we had classes. Mm -hmm. But like when I was younger. Um, I would spend like well, I did my bachelor's in international business and Spanish in in in, uh, in London. Mm -hmm. So I'd come always back home to Montenegro, and Montenegro just like very hot in summer. There's beaches and stuff, so you would just fuck off for three months basically, <laughs> not do anything productive. There's like literally nothing productive. But I yeah. enjoyed everybody enjoyed. We were kids. At mm -hmm. the same time, I want to come back to one thing you said. When what do you think about when you you chose your career when you were a sophomore, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think about this idea of people being pushed so early to choose the career like for for example something similar happened to me because mm -hmm. I chose I didn't go so far off I mean I chose international business yeah because it was like I, I wasn't sure what I want to do but at the same time it was something very broad mm -hmm. so I could do this and then like at some point I can decide if there is something luckily in my last class of these four years I figured out what I want to do yeah and I found finance and I've read some books and now I know what I want to do mm -hmm. but Similar thing happened where people ask you, or I mean people, the system asks you to choose your life kind of when you're 18 or 17, and a lot of people aren't mature. I wasn't for sure oh. to, for, to make this Most decision. People. So Most people. What do you think about this? Well, I think if there was going to be a time of experimentation with, with different career paths, it would have to, because of the current state of things, be in high school. With university degrees being as ridiculously expensive as they are, I completely understand why at this point in time, parents and administrators want the students to just pick something and stick with it because it's too costly to, to, to change and switch currently. So I do think it's, it's absolutely important for some degree of experimentation, whether it ideally be in, in, uh, in college or high school, because you're, if you choose the wrong thing or if you're forced by a parent or an administrator to, to choose something just because it has status symbols or prestige associated with it, you're sort of just setting that person up for failure in the long term. They might last a couple years or, I don't know, maybe 10 if years. You're, if you're, if you're 18, you might, you might even go for something that's prestige mm -hmm. because when you're 18... I mean, if you go for all the classes. I mean, studies, when I was 18, yeah. I, I wanted to go for something that was prestige, you know? Yeah. The world is, yeah, exactly. But then you realize, like, yeah, this is cool, but like, I, don't, I don't really enjoy it. But you can't really lie, for, lie to yourself mm -hmm. for 20 years, 30 years. It doesn't work. So I get that, I don't know, is there, how many, how many people in your class you've studied with, was there, like, were there some people prone to, to picking the wrong one? Were they also thinking like you? It's not my thing, or where was everybody really mm. amazed still in the second semester, third semester, and later? You're talking from at university, okay? Um, I th I think that it's in it's one of those unspoken things where you can sort of see it on people's faces, or you can see a lack of enthusiasm, yeah. but nobody really wants to admit admit it. Or maybe people will complain about the day-to-day, -day, but they don't want to say outright, oh, I've, I've made a horrible mistake, yeah. I've chosen the wrong thing. The lunch is bad, the weather's bad, but not, uh, I might have picked the wrong 
degree program. Exactly. Program, yeah. 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 Because there's sort of a, a, a fear of maybe social ramifications. Definitely, definitely nobody wants to bring it up to their parents because most people today with the expense of university, their parents are paying for a large portion of their education. Yeah. Maybe maybe their, not their most people, but bank. a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, yeah. the uh, Northeastern universities uh, programs, are they up for scholarships like the usual ones? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Northeastern was pretty good with scholarships. My sister went to BC which is notoriously stingy with Boston scholarships. College? Yeah, uh, okay. Boston College, sorry. Yeah, Boston, I, I use acronyms too. Yeah. And <laughs> so yeah, Boston College, and they are terrible with scholarships. Uh, if somebody from BC is listening right now and that's not currently the case anymore, I apologize, but it was the case. Uh, one quick thing about what you were saying before, being 18 and pursuing careers with prestige. Yeah, I think that I don't know if that's something, say we had the, the ideal scenario where we allowed students that age to choose between all different things. It might just be inherent at, at that age being so ambitious to just, even when the opportunities are given to you to, to look at different things, to just choose something with a lot of prestige associated with it because you want to make an impression on people. You want to make a name for yourself. So yeah, there might be something at that age that just causes a lot of people to of course, your parents go like, were trying to push you. Yeah. That may, maybe like your parents trying to yeah. subtly tell you, okay, this is the good thing. I know this is the good thing, so now you do the same. Yeah, that's how I made my decision. I mean, yeah. they weren't yeah. pushing me. They were told. They told me basically like. Yeah, but what do you want to do when you're seven? No, do, do yeah, do what, do whatever you want. They told me they didn't push me at all. I mean, yeah, they, your father told tells you all the time, this is a good thing. It will be a good. Decision. No, but he didn't. It's not, he yeah. didn't tell me this, but it was like I didn't know what to do. Uh -huh. and then I was like, my second, my natural instinct was okay. I'm gonna do whatever sounds good. You yeah. Know, like, but at the same time, I think I kind of had this safety net where I chose something that's broad. So yeah. I could go from business, international business school, to different things. I could have gone marketing. I could have gone uh, finance. I could mm -hmm. have gone. So I could have switched. So I, uh, luckily, at least I left this window open. Yeah. Um, and how old are you? Um, I just turned twenty-six. That's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people also are not courageous enough to to admit this to themselves. You know. Yeah. Like, I absolutely agree with that. And also to understand that this time will probably require a lot of, you know, grinding all mm -hmm. the time. When yeah. Try, yeah, because I know, for example, when I came here to start finance, I had no like finan financial knowledge zero. Mm -hmm. Like even my math skills were kind of. Mm, mm -hmm. Luckily, I did GMAT, so I kind of it was like the the testing, the, the standardized testing, which kind of revived my mm -hmm. math. But like for four years. Uh, Two plus yeah. two was the the math equation that we were solving, and and PCs also don't contribute in any way positively yeah. to your general ability to calculate at, at the cashier something <laughs> in your head. So no, 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 it's it's a it's a thing. Like GMAT also really helped to to get all these basic skills to mm -hmm. think in categories. Sometimes I think maybe GMAT is teaching you too much of a box thinking because okay. it's too stiff at some point. Have you but heard it's, about it's very good. Yeah, it's it's, a it's, a, it's, it's like yeah, it's a specific uh, yeah, a standardized yeah. test, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, but you know what I also think that just came to my mind that in the future since the population overall is getting older in the western world mm -hmm. younger I know that's happening already in Japan where the the legal age for work yeah. went down by two years to 16 because they don't have workers because mm -hmm. everybody's old will probably be the, the this in, re in retirement age shifts yeah, too it's probably, the other it's, end. Probably, yeah. it's probably gonna go like if, if the medicine doesn't follow where we can work when we are 70 and like feel healthy which might happen hopefully yeah um you're gonna have kids deciding this when they're 16, not 18. I find that troubling because I think 18, about how not utterly immature that I was at 18, but still pretty immature at 18. In 16, that come on, that that is just ridiculous. It, I I when I think that I was driving a car at that age, that boggles my mind. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't. He, he was drinking beer. You can drink beer. In yeah, Austria. yeah. Actually, that was because I was studying there as well, so I was lucky. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, why not? You can train early, so there's not this this hard cap at 21, and then 21 <laughs> you can earn to the playground with all the nice booze. Mm. Uh, you can train a bit on the, on the mini playground with beer and wine at 16, so it's good, actually. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. But don't, don't, but don't people drink in the U.S. also, like, before 21? Like, does everybody get drunk before they, 21? They do, kind of but if you, in case you haven't noticed, the annoying thing about Americans with drinking is that they act like drinking is just the coolest thing, and they sort of try to establish their personalities through drinking, and they go, guess how many keg yeah. stands I've done and all that, and you just go, yeah, okay, yeah. But we've, it's also we've also already been drinking for, like, 
like eight years, so why don't you chill out a little bit? I'm not sure if it's only Americans, <laughs> but it's also Anglo-Americans, I think. If you take, yeah. if you take British people, if you take Australians, yeah. I think they're the worst. Australians fucking get smashed all the time. Yeah. Uh, it gets obnoxious after a yeah, while. I, I, I saw that myself, <laughs> looking among my peers. It's so funny because my, my ex-roommate from Salzburg from my high school, he's uh, Australian, but he is this Chinese, like his parents are from China. So, you know, the time, like Asian people in general can't yeah. handle the alcohol. Oh, yeah. not, not that he can't, he can drink the, a lot. The glow, you, the Asian glow. He would drink and he would be so red. It would be, it mm-hmm. would be, he would be so funny, and, but yeah. he would continue drinking because <laughs> he's Australian. He's like, I don't give a fuck. And he would go puke, come back, and continue drinking. The boot and rally, that's what that's he, called. Oh, when you, when you th- oh, <laughs> oh, no. I had my borderline experience when I was 20. I was sleeping in the groove after a vodka bottle, and then I was like, no, okay, this is now it. I have seen everything, and then I slowed down. You, you met Jesus, and yeah. you're, ready, you're, ready, you're yeah. ready to continue with your life. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, it's, it's exactly that, yeah. Um, I know whether we wanted to mention the gig, the gig economy, sure. the gig mindset. Yeah. So can you maybe to listeners explain what this is, and sure. we can discuss it a little bit. Okay. This is pretty popular these days, I guess, this kind of mindset. Yeah, so I am a, a bit of a recent convert to the idea because the term gig economy before was was very buzzy to me. You know what a buzzword is? Yeah. A, a word like synergy where you hear it and people say it all the time. And you oh, go, I don't, and you, Exactly. And you go, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. At least I, I hear these words. So I read a, a book recently called The Gig Economy. And it, it's about 200 pages. It's it's pretty manageable, I think. And um, the the 10 chapters really break down different aspects of, of, of what your life would look like in, in the gig economy. But two of the huge takeaways that, that I thought were pretty impressive was that a lot of the advice that you that you get from older generations isn't intentionally bad or misleading advice but it's of their era it, it, it's not fully applicable in the current era and what i mean by that is in the u.s the baby boomers you have this huge population boom they knew at that time when they were entering the workforce in the 70s that there were about 20 million 30 million other people who would fill their job right behind them if they messed up. So they worked 80-hour weeks. They committed to the companies. Uh, the companies committed to the employees too. There was there were these security packages, pensions guaranteed, benefits packages. Employees stuck with their company. So it was a single job career. And we're, in, talk, we're talking yeah. about US. We're talking in, about in, US. in the yeah. US, I don't know what it was everywhere, but so yeah. I'm talking about from the from the. 70s when the baby boomers were of age to be in the workforce onward basically through whatever the, the 90s now when they're retiring and and so the, the 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 baby boomers would would stick to a one job career and they would get all the promotions they would get the gold watch i don't know if you know what i'm talking about with the gold watch no, but the company sort of incentivized giving little gifts so like if you work at a company for 50 years you get the gold watch and you would get a ford car I think yeah, yeah ford. something like that this also happened in communis- yeah. communism you would get always like <laughs> yeah. a car or something yeah, yeah. yeah this keeps people going yeah. exactly so currently those same security measures that existed at the companies no longer exist. There's no longer that loyalty for the employees towards the companies or vice versa. Companies are switching out towards contractor positions for specific projects because it e- it's easier, it makes a lot more sense. And employees no longer have those guaranteed pensions or anything like that, so they really need to be mindful of, of their income and making it as not as risk-free as possible but if you if you lose your job you lose all of your income the gig economy mindset is if i have numerous streams of income then it's like having a balanced portfolio yeah, multiple yeah. Contracts. exactly so i just thought that was a really brilliant way of explaining it and the other the second aspect of the gig economy book was talking about retirement there's we're going to have to look at retirement in a new way it used to be retirement was a 25 year maybe block of time that you would just do all the things that you'd always wanted to do but never did and now if you just take that that time period at the end of your career and pepper it throughout your whole career so you redefine the traditional retirement to maybe i'm working longer into my retirement 
but I get to do the things that I want to do, go to the weddings that I want to go to and go on the vacations that I want to go to throughout my life when I'm young and healthy and maybe can enjoy them a little more. I can see my family when I want to see my family and do this and this rather than just that 25 years of, of doing whatever you want at the end of your life. Then that seems to me to make yeah, a lot of sense. Yeah. So it's a bit like the sabbatical, what they tried here and there, sabbaticals. I guess. Like four or five years of break and four or five years you're doing nothing, you're just chilling and then you come back to the workforce. This is like... Maybe, I but it's what it is. You, you don't have to take it in a big block of time yeah. like that. You can. Some people go, you know what, I've always really wanted to go to Mount Mount Everest or, you know, Mongolia or something, and they go travel for a year. And some people do back. it that way. Yeah, some people, some people, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people just travel for a year. Other people go, okay, I'm going to take this two-week trip to a music festival here. I'm going to uh, visit family here, and they just... Pepper it throughout. Yeah, I know when I was young, we were always looking, because like, when Nick was getting tourism and stuff, and we were always looking at this Western tourists, uh, like coming either from Western Europe, Germany or stuff, mm-hmm. or they would come like American stuff. We were always looking at them like old ladies, and they're traveling now, like, oh yeah, my grandfather, grandmother, they're traveling everywhere. And for me, I never I never understood this. Why would you, like, for me, it's completely reverse. Yeah. I would like to do this when I'm young. Yeah. And I did it, I did a lot of it so far. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it requires money. Um, um, but I, I don't un- understand the idea of you postponing everything until you're old and then doing it when you're old, which for me is kind of, for me, doesn't work. I think that it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I would rather, I'd rather live while I'm younger and then I, I, I honestly think I wouldn't even want to retire because mm-hmm. I feel like. I do too. That's how I feel. I, I see. I see older people when they retire. They don't have nothing to wake up for and stuff. Yeah. And they like like you get older like this. Yeah. It you accelerates. Nothing, yeah. You just get. You just stay at home. And that po- when you're like seventy years old and you're just sitting at home, your body is just like okay, it's over. You you, uh, over. <laughs> you seen Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah. But that when they open it at the end and they look in, yeah, that's that's what happens. Yeah. Your face melts once yeah, you retire. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, you, you have to. One, cause usually, I mean. Back at home, we are a little bit less uh, strict. Like it's, it's yeah. I mean, you don't give out complete. Like here, work is very here. Work is very intense. Mm-hmm. Like United States, careers are very intense and stuff. Yeah, where we are, it's a little bit more relaxed. Mm-hmm. We work everything, but people I think enjoy a little bit more their life. Yeah, um, but at the same time, what, I lost my point. By the way, um, yeah, I lost my point. I'll come I mean, back. Happened to me. I would book. say it's it's hard. I mean, of course, people are trying to do this, but it's hard to unify this with the with the whole way a four hundred one k works. With the whole way our our payment system. Yeah. Well, the payment system in the US works because if you're paid in two week blocks and you are at work, you. Mm-hmm. But I think just that's also going to change. Money. So that's uh, the thing. Yeah, I mean, they have to change it, but it hasn't changed yet. So people are doing yeah. one thing according to one style, but the. You know when it changes. Yeah. You know, economic system hasn't catched up yet. So you know when it changes. I agree. You know yeah. when it changes when the people in the key position change. So one thing I heard about you know, now all these feminist things happening yeah. with uh, me to move and stuff. But yeah. like I heard one very interesting point of view, um, where people are saying, "Oh yeah, uh, the majority of the CEOs are men, right?" Yeah. And okay, we have to change this. The society is like this. We can't. We can We can't believe that this is happening today and stuff. And actually, I've listened to one the British feminist. It was. It's a girl and. Mm-hmm. She was pointing out that the, the, the fact that we have majority of men in position of power now, it's not the reflection of our generation, yeah. it's the reflection of the previous generation. Because for you to become a CEO, it takes 50 years or not 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. You cannot become a CEO just now. You enter the, yeah. so as you were saying, baby boomers are entering the workforce in the 70s. So there is the, the reason, so it means basically that the, when people entered the workforce in the 70s, mm-hmm. the, the quality of opportunity was so skewed that majority of men became the CEOs. Because I yeah. bet you the people who are CEOs today, maybe Zuckerberg is young. Yeah, it's very rare. Like Who's young? Very young rare people. Startups. It's, uh, it's maybe the, the, CEO, the, 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 tech, the tech people, basically. The tech people That's, are young. Everything yeah. else is... Or something. Yeah. Jeff Bezos is 50-something. 50, he's already 56. Yeah. 50, but but think about yeah. Snapchat and those kinds yeah. of apps. Yeah. You know. but so that's what I'm rare. saying. It's, it's, it's going to yeah. come. It's going to come. And I also would say that what you're saying now, it's also going to come when these people, when our generation put, is put in this position. I think so. So you will have mo- probably more equality in terms of male-female because... I don't believe that there is much difference in like intelligence. It's the same thing, but uh, yeah. but I would say that yeah, 
we have to wait a little bit until this mm -hmm. comes. That, that work philosophy that you're describing, I've heard it described this way before, is that Europeans work to live, Americans live to work. Yeah. You can agree with that or disagree with that. It's just a, 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 a phrase that I've heard before. There are many different yeah. Europeans. That's the problem. No, no, I know that. These I'm, Europeans and these Europeans have nothing to do with each other. I, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I, I know that they're, they're, everybody's different, but that was yeah. a general statement, and I don't, I don't know how true it is, but I at least agree with the fact that the Americans tend to live to work. A lot of Americans do, and I think that whole philosophy was the baby boom philosophy based on what I described before, where it's like, if you didn't commit yourself fully to your job, then somebody else could just come in and, and fill your spot. But this is also one point, I think it's very important to enjoy your job because mm -hmm. then you you have fun and you work at the same time. So you're doing both at the same time. Let's say, yeah. you're, let's say you're working in a company you love and then, okay, if it's a big multinational or something, they're sending you to Paris next week. And you mm -hmm. love what you're doing, you're traveling. Yeah. Yes, of course you're working, but you may be meeting new people, you're going overseas, Yeah. It's doing so many things through this. I think this is like what it comes to, I, I would rather live like this, mm -hmm. where I like what I do, and I'm like able to live some kind of a life where I can travel and move and experience new things. Work-life balance is yeah. the buzz term. But even, if I, even if I experience yeah. my life through work, I wouldn't mind, like, mm -hmm. as long as I'm doing something I like. I yeah. don't know if I get married one day and have kids and stuff, it's gonna change, but like, mm -hmm. currently, like, I wouldn't care. I would prefer traveling with a company and get paid yeah. than traveling by myself. Yeah, I, I could yeah. see that. But at the same time, also thinking this work-life balance thing, it doesn't, like, work-life balance implies a little bit that there's either work mm -hmm. or there's life. And yeah. when there's, and the, the other thing, yeah. it's like mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, it's like a merger. Yeah, to me, it's yeah. like a merger. If, if you love your job, you don't need to play table tennis for uh, four hours per day. Yeah. Because you can also play 50 minutes, chill a bit, and then go back to work. Because yeah. if you enjoy what you're doing, it's okay. You don't, yeah. it, it, this balance, it's like, it's like a, like a pendulum that can swing constantly. It's not that... When one thing is active, the other thing is not active. Mm -hmm. That's a bit of a, of a weird thing that uh, I think sometimes they're pushing it too hard in some companies, especially large corporations, because some people might really hate their job and that's yeah. why they need this balance or they would go totally crazy in a, if they're a data clerk. Okay, so I, mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's why we drink a lot because I think people yeah. hate yeah. their job a lot and they're depressed. No, Dude, no, no, you're, re you're really on to something with that. Yeah, I, I, agree with that. Like, I agree with that. I agree with that. depressed, but they're like, yeah. you have this feeling of not being yourself for like so long and then you're like fucking Friday to go yeah, off of that with social media too yeah. people build these alter egos yeah. these avatars of who they want to be on social media because they know that they're not what they want to be in real life yeah. at yeah. their job so they go out they drink they, they create some an online persona of, of who they want to convey that they are and and they're Internally miserable. That, that's the theory. I mean, we all kind of drinking on Facebook profile pictures. <laughs> <laughs> not always, not always. Uh, uh, but but I do think that there are a lot of people who are just stuck in in a corporate structure or at a job that they that they don't know quite. They know they took a wrong turn somewhere, but they don't know how to backtrack or find a new. Yeah, like change, change is always hard. That's why you have yeah. coffee from Monday to through Friday, and from Friday through Sunday you have alcohol. <laughs> That's why you have like these two drugs. Sometimes on Thursday, yeah. and Thursday. maybe Wednesday as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, um, yeah, I'd say I, we all go through it. Everybody has been in the position where they're like, what, what the fuck am I doing here? I guess at one yeah. point you left. I, I was like this at my university. I was like, okay, I mean, I, I don't feel driven by this at all. Like, I'm going to classes and listening to this, but like, I'm not, I'm not motivated. I don't come there and like, mm, interesting, you know? Yeah. Like when I come to work or something, I'm like, okay, I don't wake up and I'm like, work again. I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. going to work. I but like it. I chill there, you know, work. We have a nice environment, you know, it's a startup kind of environment. Yeah. You know, it's not a super stressful environment. So it depends. Somebody hates this, but like, I like it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think the, the good balance between. So sometimes everybody's still motivated. Not everybody, no, not even the greatest UFC fighter has been motivated one or 20% of his entire career path. It's also, I think, yeah. to certain, up to a certain extent, be able to suffer a little bit yeah. and, and have your, your own bandwidth of, okay, this is what I can get, and then I can motivate myself like a basic motivation, and then on top of that, you need to love the stuff because in the long term, the, the, the basic motivation will, will shrink, and when then there's no intrinsic motivation, no mm -hmm. love, no passion for what you're doing, then it, it's over because you can't lie to yourself and you can't burn this, mm -hmm. this for 30 years. Then, then you're done. Yeah, that's that, this typical corporate structure. What's starting that you are actually too lazy to 
change what you're doing. I had some people in my, my uh, old bank and in the departments, they were doing loan applications. And then when loan applications were increasingly automated, they were only doing the, the QC, the quality check of these uh, loan applications. And some of them were sometimes saying, uh, yeah, you know, um, I'm getting paid too well to leave, but I'm not getting paid well enough to have fun with it. So I'm just chilling here. I'm like, oh, nice. This is how it goes. <laughs> yeah. So it's may- maybe good to have some sort of a mirror mm-hmm. of, of a third party that is in this position to see, okay, I don't want to become that. Just ask yourself in uh, proper uh, intervals, what do you want to do? Why you want to do it? And is this wrong? Is this right? And just take the constantly be able to say, okay, I want to take this off ramp. I don't want to take this off ramp on the highway called life. Mm-hmm. Or are you... I would regret it. It's a good metaphor. I'm a metaphor guy myself. Yeah, so. I think yeah. we, should, we should make a little movie, a short movie about this podcast called On the Highway Called Love. It's like a motivational life, po- life. <laughs> It's like a motivational poster or something like that. Yeah. Like yeah. the cat hanging on the wire, the hang in there cat. So two things off of what you were saying. The first is look at the person directly above you, your direct manager, and say, could I, I don't know if that was related to you talking about a mirror to, to look yeah. at, but that could serve as a mirror. And if your immediate manager is something that you would absolutely resent doing if you were in their position, then that's something to consider. Another thing is, you talked about suffering. I, I do think that, yeah, suffering is actually quite important. If you haven't suffered at all, you're, you're not a very resilient person, most likely. You, you need suffering to become resilient. I think it's called grit, like in this yeah, sense. Like it's grit. Like no, but at the same time, you, through, you, yeah. you, the, you enjoy the most after suffering. Like, if yeah. you, let's say, uh, like if you go for, run for, if you run a half marathon, in the end, when you're done with it, you're going to feel great. Mm-hmm. Like, we, everything. Here, when we were studying for finance, and you study, study, or if you're working and work for a long time, you have some problem that you're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. You hate the fact that you're sitting there for fucking 10 hours and you feel like shit, you drank five coffees, you really hate it. Mm-hmm. But then when you figure out the problem or when you like, oh, I finally yeah. found the answer, you feel great. You mm-hmm. feel like everything was worth it. You yeah, know? And euphoric. <laughs> but then you like that you improve yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't feel comfortable all the time. Mm. I know. For me, I guess, I just, um, I look at my life as like, I, I want to be an adventure. Yeah. If I, if I look back at I do too. point. So as long as I feel that my life is not an adventure, like I'm, I'm stuck in, mo- like it's boring. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to say, I don't want to sound cheesy adventure. Blah, blah, blah. It can be bad and good. Like as long as it's something exciting, as long as I'm not doing the same thing and I, I know when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to do the same thing. I have no purpose. Mm-hmm. Like it can be something very uncomfortable going to a country for the first time where you don't speak the language or whatever. Mm. I, have, I would do that rather than, I don't know. You need challenge, right? Some kind of challenge, some kind of new thing. You're meeting new people, discovering new things. Yeah. Which is good about Boston. In Boston, it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. You meet. Yeah, I mean, we met you, like, what, when, when did we meet you? Like, uh, a week ago. Two or three weeks, weeks ago. Yeah, we Memorial Day weekend, yeah. He, yeah. he moved in uh, a week ago uh, in our new place. So, basically, we yeah. all kind of know each other, besides me and Bill, yeah. from, like a week ago. You have, particularly in Boston, so many young people because of the universities. There's there's 30 or 40 universities, it seems, in, yeah. in such a small area, and some pretty good ones among those. Uh, there was a, a quote that I heard recently that somebody actually sent me, a coworker sent me, because I sent out a mass email letting everybody know I'm, I'm leaving. And... It was it was five lessons from this guy. I believe his name was Dr. Wayne Dyer, D Y E R. But his fifth lesson was don't die with your music still in you. I thought that was a really good lesson. Yeah, yeah because I think a lot of people reach their I don't I don't want to say their deathbed, but they get later in life and they just are full of regret of things that they thought of a lot but never pulled the trigger on. They never actually did them, you know. So. And if you get hit by a bus, shit happens. Yeah. You know, somebody can check out like this always. I mean happens you know mm-hmm. but don't die willingly <laughs> i yeah. guess don't choose to die like this yeah um so yeah in the long term to come back to to your your podcast plans so sure. what were your your next plans after exactly resigning how do how will the next what will the next weeks month years look like okay so i have three parts to that i'll start with the longest term because that's that's what how i originally formulated all my plans i wanted to get into conversational interviewing like uh, Howard Stern or Larry King or Joe Rogan. It's, it's a very particular format where you, you're not interviewing somebody to, 
to get to the bottom of something. It's not agenda based. You're just there to have a conversation and to, and to learn. And it's you, like you a listening to a conversation, basically. Then at the end of the day, exactly. Yeah. 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 Podcasting. Yeah. 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 That's, that's the whole podcasting. Yeah. But but um, I don't know. Some types of podcasts are they're all podcasts are generally always story based, which I really like yeah. because I do think that at the end of the day, we still are all kind of like that little kid at bedtime that wants to hear a story yeah. told by a confident voice. You know, like you really trust the voice of the person that you're you're listening to. So. That's what draws me to the podcast format. But uh, in the media, in the middle term, I'm going to have a podcast of my own and try to get into broadcasting, podcasting, blogging, all of these mediums. The, I actually have a name for my podcast and a specific date that I'm planning to release it. So it's going to be called Man vs. Mob, mm-hmm. and it's going to come out in August. So I'm setting all nice. that up right now. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's that's one avenue to getting towards the interviewing, and then in the in the in the nearest term, a lot of people go, okay, that's that's all great, Patrick, but how are you going to have income? You know, you have to pay for your bills, right? So I have savings, and I'm planning to freelance work. So I'm going to use freelance apps back to the gig economy using apps like Tackle, TaskRabbit, Freelancer. And also, I just the other day made some business cards for myself for freelance work to just hand out to people uh, that I meet. I'm going to hopefully get freelance work through networking. And I, I pretty much pretty much think that's it. Um, yeah. Can I ask you two, two questions? First one is uh, basically, are you going to make a podcast with certain topics or are you going to be more like a Jorgen type, oh, he interviews whatever, people from Mushroom, so, you know, like, yeah, he's I, super broad. I would love to, broad, it's going to be broad, okay. because I really like variety. I'm interested in the, uh, the, the same huge variety of things that Joe Rogan is interested in, I'm, okay. I'm also interested in. I would say that early on, there's going to be an emphasis on generations. I'm very interested in generations, as I was talking about before, the, in the U.S., the baby boomers. Then after that, Gen X and now millennials, how they differ. And, and millennials are a very anxious generation. So the podcast at the beginning is really going to be, it's called Man versus Mob or Man vs. Mob because we live at a time where people who have a different opinion or, or something that they want to say, they, particularly on social media, just get jumped get on bashed, get like, jumped on and, and it's this whole this prestige economy with, with the whole yeah. external cost of uh, let's look for mistakes yeah. and stuff so yeah, I, I even if somebody just wants to explore an idea they don't even mean to cause any harm they just want to say hey did you think about this people just go no 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 no, no. shut up shut up and you're, you're, one, one bad you're, thing I'm, yeah. I mean yeah this is happening with, with uh, you have kind of some kind of social unrest and uh, satisfaction mm-hmm. and this is happening in the time of an economic boom yeah. so Usually this should happen when the economy is doing bad and you people are unemployed, they have nothing to do and they're looking for something to pick on. Mm-hmm. So I wonder what's going to happen when shit hits the fan for real. I'm you actually going to discuss some predictions like that in, in yeah, the podcast might, because I have some opinions on that. So it might, it might like the real problem, actually, mm-hmm. when the real problems come, they might encourage people to forget about stupid shit. They will. To come together. They will. Or it, it might it might go completely that way around. It, you never know. It could, but I do. I am an optimist, actually. I, I read a lot about kind of grim things, and, and I know a lot about some some things that make a lot of people uncomfortable. But I, at the end of the day, am an optimist, uh, particularly about about the future, uh, and um, I think that will be conveyed through my podcast. But I also think that that's gonna happen if the crisis. Hits, mm-hmm. prices, when, when, I don't know. Let's, let's say in two, th- two years. No, I'm just saying. Well, uh, it's not if we're it's going to happen at one point. No, we're not going to predict the crisis. We have, no, predict we have been right. We have been right uh, so far, uh, two, three times already. So. <laughs> the crisis no, is coming in 25. <laughs> no, no, but I think it's also if people are bored, they they tend to think more. And if you think more, you are you have, have this constant uh, loop of thinking. And hmm, is this right? Is this wrong? Is this right? Is this wrong? Mm-hmm. And th- th- that's one explanation why burnout syndrome why all these these mental uh, illnesses while all this this um, mm-hmm. this weird stuff that's happening in good times is only happening in good times because people are mentally 
idle. And if you are physically not idle, if you are physically hardworking, let's say mm -hmm. after World War II, Europe was destroyed, yeah. everybody was working their ass off to uh -huh. re reconstruct Europe. Yeah. Nobody could think about a single second about, is this actually fun now? No, they were just working because otherwise yeah. there's no money coming in. So this is mm -hmm. one theory why burnout came up when times are getting better. Because mm -hmm. you're starting to think, oh, mm, yeah. work is over, it's uh, 6 p.m., what to do now? Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you know the history of Rome, Nero burned Rome, you know? <laughs> Yeah. And put uh, his horse as a Senate member. Yeah. When the times were too good, we get crazy. I think that was Caligula. No, Neron. Neron, Neron burned Rome. Uh, maybe I'm I think Caligula the was the horse one. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We, can, we can Google it. Luckily, <laughs> yeah. Nero, Nero no, fiddled no. while burn, will Rome burned. I don't know if he burned it. Who burned Rome? Uh, Nero. Nero burned Rome. He burned but it? Who put, okay. the, who put his horse as a... As a My Roman history uh, is pretty terrible. Who, who put his horse as what? Who put his horse as a senate in the senate? I think he was in the senate. Or who put Nero's horse in the senate? No, 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 Not no. Nero's man. <laughs> You're gonna get all sorts of weird stuff. Just put who put oh, in the Roman senate, man. Just who just three keywords: Rome, horse, senate. No, yeah. Th that, then then no, you'll get your he's answer. He's very great. At the, yeah. He even spelled the same name. <laughs> Caligula, no, he, right? He, he, he's incapable of okay. googling. This is just last last yeah, last podcast. We were googling Google. like one one inflation one inflation number. Yeah, and it it, it was like this as well. He was googling like different <laughs> stuff about the out. world, <laughs> and then yeah. monthly projections about different country, yeah. you know, and stuff. He went down a wormhole. So that okay, we don't the know best who, of us. Who, who who put the horse. <sighs> really? <laughs> um, so I had that was my first question. I had another question with regards to a podcast. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, it's good we have um, other other sources of in who? No, what the Caligula, yeah. Caligula. Okay. Caligula. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Favorite horse from memory. Yeah. So we're both good. right. Okay. Um, so um, what was I saying? Um, it's good that you found um, that you have different uh, ways of earning income. You're an engineer, of course. You have yeah. there will be opportunities because it's very hard at the beginning with podcasting even to get. Um, traction with the audience mm -hmm. I mean to be completely honest we, we since we've been working we haven't gone 100% into podcasting mm -hmm. it's more of a thing that we do for fun yeah which is also important I wouldn't be like if I didn't have fun having conversation mm -hmm. with you it would be well, it would be the same situation with you in your job you know like yeah. you'll be at some point like why are we doing this mm -hmm. but uh, I believe yeah if you definitely put yourself 100% into it and do your best not a hundred percent because still have other still got to make yeah, the money in the meantime. But, but yeah, more more into it than yeah. it would have been such a small part of my day if I had continued on with the job yeah. I was doing. Exactly. Which, by the way, it's it's not just the fact that you're doing it with a full time job, but if that full time job drains you because you you're, you're so just unhappy there, mm -hmm. then it really just puts you in a mental state where you, you sort of are just tired at the end of the day and you don't right. really want right. to even do the other thing. But I, I think uh, the rise of the podcast, one of the reasons why podcast is rising is because there's no real discussion going on anymore. Like as, at least on, on the American yeah. media a bit, like it's exactly just silencing each other immediately. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think when people can listen to, to a discussion, yeah. it is still ongoing. There's still things, okay, I'll listen, do you listen to me? No, I, th I think I, I think, think you're stupid, and I'm not silenced immediately. Yeah, actually, yeah. I think you're stupid too. Uh, but uh, I, I actually think that, like, you know, uh, why? You, I think it's replacing these tonight shows. Yeah. Oh, oh, the because, the the, the yeah, like comedy so, shows like Colbert and yeah, yeah these okay. shows because yeah. they are kind of getting they're set up like you're aware when the actress comes there, they come with an yeah. agenda. And they're like, it's ah, Brittany, you're it's, you're, it's, yeah. it's a very nice shirt. Oh, thank you very much. And then there's like a pre-setup joke. And yeah. then when everybody's like, ha, 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 yeah. ha. And then, uh, you know, like, and you know that the, the I know what kind you of, mean. now when the social media came, like you would get more information before you, this was happening, but people weren't really aware in the 70s that this was happening. Yeah. But now the guy who works behind the scenes pick up, picks up his phone and I'm following him. Yeah. And I see this behind the scene. I'm like. I'm really falling for this. Like everybody can see <laughs> yeah, like set up the in inside picture. Yeah. But like access you, to information you were not supposed you, to yeah, access yeah. to. I, kind I, of I think there's also something with, with humor in particular where humor is is best in my opinion when it's when it's needling an establishment, if if you know what I mean by that. So back in the fifties and sixties when the establishment was very conservative in the US Hollywood became very liberal and a lot of the humor that went with that was was attacking the conservative establishment and, and it was very funny because the conservatives really 
the culture was theirs at the yeah. time. It's shifted now. However, it's a liberal establishment now. Yeah. And when you're trying to create humor within your own establishment, as the as the late night hosts are mostly liberal, they they aren't funny because it's like there, there's there's nothing edgy about the comedy anymore. Yeah. They're they're among their own people, and everybody supports everything that they're saying. So really, a lot of the humor now comes from the conservatives. Yeah. It's 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 interesting. For me, it's it's weird times because you have a liberal establishment, but at the same time you have a, a conservative White House. Yeah. So it's I, I don't know if this happens. It's we have a bizarre yeah, White House. It's, 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 yeah. it's you wild. have a bizarre White House, but yeah. then you have also a bizarre establishment. Who's one thing I was having before Trump got elected, I had mm-hmm. a conversation with my father and them uh, predicting and you know, mm. One thing we were discussing, like, oh yeah, this guy, even if he wins or if he doesn't win, he was a little bit retarded and whatever mm-hmm. but like he's not going to be the establishment guy and I was we were thinking and we were discussing like what's going to happen when he becomes the president and I was like mm-hmm. they're probably going to impeach him they're probably and he was like you're right they're probably going to do it and as soon as he got into power immediately immediately it started who are they going to pick Russia of course Russia is the most popular part even though it's like China is like number two now yeah. slowly trying to become number one you have Russia immediately because still in everybody's minds Russia is the villain you know so like mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird here, and you can also very, very coming from Europe. Situation. Coming from Europe, I, I want to say this because you can. If I'm at home, mm-hmm. and even in Montenegro, we have the same guy, 27 years. Yeah. In, in the, if I go and I talk to people about politics, we, we can. It's not such a big taboo. Yeah. Here, I remember I was downstairs in Lingo, and I don't know they're talking about how no one girl came and said, "Oh yeah, Trump sucks and stuff." And I was like, I want to see what's happening. I, I'm, I'm like, I'm from Montenegro. I don't have, I don't vote. I don't have any opinions. I'm yeah. like, my p- perspective is purely financial. Yeah. And I just said, oh yeah, uh, Trump is great for America. She looked at me, and she was like, fuck you. Turned around and left. <laughs> and I was like, really? Like I was joking, and this is the reaction I get. Yeah. Like so, there's no like. There, there's there, no. See, there's no, the humor is dead. But, you can't even make that connection. It's just. But that, but okay. you, but that's you know like also coming from a country which had civil war. Yeah. That's bad. That's bad. No, I I know. Yeah. That's bad. You okay, but Montenegro. Well, I know this is yeah. uh, this is um, um, I'm going to try to convey this message in the podcast, yeah. and I, and that's going to require familiarizing people with what balkanization is. Yeah. <laughs> But yes, I, I definitely am mindful of the fact that when you have people who are neighbors who are hating each other, then that doesn't bode yeah. well. Yeah. And by the way, I'm optimistic, but, but <laughs> in the interim period, I, I think that 10 years from now, things are going to be sunny. We're going to have another period like just after World War II where we get to build institutions up again and establish what the future is going to look like. But in this five to ten year period before that, I think it's going to get pretty dark. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to play out, but that's... So I'm, I'm optimistic, but it's going to get worse before it gets better. Economically dark or like socially dark? So- socially, politically, economically Everything. dark. Er. Yeah, Honestly. it seems like nothing is changing. Yeah. It seems like... He's into power and, and nothing's changing. Like there is no yeah. pushing forward. And, I, and, and my personal opinion is he's probably gonna get elected one more time. I think I so. See, I yeah. don't see like um, yeah. uh, uh, if 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 the economy is still good by the time. I mean now it starts right. The 2019 starts the uh, the whole. Uh, Pretty much. 1920, right? 2020 is the election. Yeah. Pretty so, much. Oh, they're, they're always campaigning yeah. over here. It's, and they're coming back with. Yeah. With Joe Biden, I mean Joe Biden. What the fuck are you doing? Like yeah. nobody's. But then I think maybe Sanders can it won't be destroyed by him. Mm. And he's maybe the only hope that some like you know because he's yeah Bernie. You know he has his own character, mm-hmm. identity. You know it's not somebody who can you like with Hillary. He's, he's just, a genuine guy. At least yeah. he seems it. Yeah. I th- I know what you're saying. He's but he's not owned. All, he's not an owned man. It doesn't seem like it. Have you seen his videos from no. the 70s when he's doing a, pro, a campaign with the kids? No. Go home, go to YouTube, and just type Bernie Sanders 1970s campaigning with the kids. Yeah. You have to see it. He seems a bit socialist at times. You have to see he it. He seems a bit what? Socialist. It's not, it's, no, no. It's just the way he carries himself. He was, it's super retarded. You just have to see it because oh, he, well. they're driving by the like, <laughs> they're, they're in the car and they're driving on the street and there's some kids like running on the street and, <laughs> and the car doesn't even stop. Bernie opens the door and he's like, 
hey kids, <laughs> what do you think about the elections? Or some like generic question and the kid looks at him and runs away. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to see it, really. I think I saw it on the okay, podcast I'll, or something. I'll, I'll watch it. It was I was pissing my pants. Was, and they, then he's hugging the kids yeah. or asking them, oh, "What do you think about smoking?" Like, yeah. Some super serious question, and the yeah. kid is like, "I'm four. What the fuck do you think I think about smoking?" <laughs> Can I have a lollipop, please. <laughs> not not to say that Bernie still feels the same way as he did, but one thing that kind of disturbs me about him is is how infatuated he once was with the Soviet Union. Yeah. He he was quite taken with it when he went there and doesn't I don't know if he really realizes how uh, yeah, how played how played he was yeah. because I mean I don't know have you ever read the um, the Gulag Archipelago no, or but it, I heard it yeah, times, yeah and it just they they talk about in the book how so much was staged yeah. for, for the outside world to it's like a performance put on and yeah he was definitely really taken by that so yeah. it's like but, but okay, I think, I think uh, Trump has like a natural chance to win again. I'm also in, the, in that opinion because the liberals have their two pockets, East Coast, West Coast. Yeah. They don't really think about the Midwest. They don't really think about the central people. Like if, if yeah. it was according to Jeff Bezos and okay, Daimler AG is also there, like some, some auto manufacturers, some AI companies, we would just automate the whole delivery industry and all these jobs are gone for it. Yeah. And to them... Not everybody is a. I think, have a hard time understanding that everybody is a software engineer and not everybody knows Python, C, and Haskell by heart. So that's the thing. I think that that's why they have a good chance to ruin it again by assuming this. Mm -hmm. Not everybody buys a Tesla because not everybody pays 80000 for it. This could, be a whole, this could be a three hour conversation. Yeah. Like, if, if you ever decide to have me back, we yeah. can have a whole other conversation about yeah. that because I. I yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think also from. The reason why he might not spoon is because I have a friend also as well who's American. He told me, no, no judgment or nothing, but he told me like, oh yeah, I think the good president would be The Rock. Mm -hmm. And that just tells you that it's become like a complete popularity contest. Yeah. But at the same time, I think the main reason why it has become a popularity contest is because you can't have this, this political correctness from, from the past century anymore because... We all have windows literally to our bedrooms and yeah. like The Rock, yeah. you can see him while he decides he's showering yeah. and he's talking to his audience. So like... There's, there's going to be a social reset nobody, at some yeah, point, right? And, and be, <laughs> where everybody goes, okay, everybody has dirt on everybody else. Exactly. So it's like a standoff where everybody's got a gun for yeah, minutes. But I think people are looking for like... <laughs> everybody realizes what... Again, coming back to the, the to the bullshit that is giving with the Jimmy Kimmel and these guys shows. Not that they're good. Sometimes I watch them as well. But compared to podcasts, it's not it's, it's set up right. Mm -hmm. And if you look at politics, compared compare uh, uh, all the politicians to Trump, people have a feeling that everything else is set up and he's least sincere, and mm -hmm. that's why they choose him. So you would rather choose The Rock because he's sincere and he looks like a great man and whatever. Which he yeah he's a good mm -hmm. guy and everything. But like you, you, president, really no. Yeah. But uh, but that's the same sentiment I see. That people see somebody who's honest, and okay, now we know how it's kind of behind the curtains because we have more information. Mm -hmm. We're not gonna go for this shit, and we're not gonna go for the Jimmy Kimmel. We're gonna go for podcast. We're not gonna go for the establishment. We're gonna go for Trump, even mm -hmm. though he's retarded, in my opinion. And right, no, 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 that's okay. I mean, right. he's he is kind of yeah. You know, uh, he, he 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 is in certain ways. Yeah, like yeah, he, yeah. he's he's obviously very intelligent yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In, in the perspective of of a self promoter. Yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like that, that's kind of like the American way, the self promoter, no, the, the, the person who goes out there and and, yeah. and sort of bullshits their way yeah. to the to a point where everybody goes, wait a second, is this yeah, is this he, even real? Yeah. But then he, but he yeah. realized that if he plays the card of oh I'm sincere and honest, yeah, people can. Can, people are gonna tune into it. He just figured out, okay, mm -hmm. if I play this card, I'm probably gonna win. And they they did the biggest mistake. The Democrats they put the worst opponent, mm -hmm. which is completely on the other side. Like if she had, if we had a little window in her soul, it would just be like a black dot. <laughs> like, he, 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 he is a master of persuasion, yeah. and people don't realize that. And of course, people like to gl um, glibly compare him to Hitler. Yeah, and and and. I'm saying this carefully, but he is doing some things that Hitler did, yeah. but he's doing them extremely effectively. I'm not talking about like setting up death camps and all that, but I'm saying like the way he communicates, the yeah. rallies that he has, okay. the fact that he recognizes that there are um, people who need a simpler message and people who need a more complex message. Like you, you know how he was constantly. Uh, 
lampooned for using simple words and, and oh, we're just going to make America great again. Didn't really have these plans laid out and everything. And people mocked that and everything. Well, guess what? Most people, there's, there's a huge portion of people that that's exactly the type of message that they want. So he was marketing extremely effectively. Yeah. I mean, it's important. Yeah. You need to adapt your, the message yeah. to your yeah. audience. Like that was one thing of physicist Richard Feynman. You need to be able to explain the most complex things to a grandma or to a kid. Yeah. And then you know you've understood it. And then you also know that the kid has understood it. Or yeah. make sure that the kid and if, if you just scoff at that, then okay, good for you. But you're not going to get any of those votes. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, you have to realize that, okay, yeah. Is he the result of, of that, or is is he in control of that? If you look at him and well, let's say Hitler, but I don't, know, I don't want to compare him because they're not the same. But yeah, anyways, no, no, you can, you can like if you're if you're using a specific quality or something, you can compare the two. But the the lazy part is when people just go, oh, he is Hitler, and they then they don't really elaborate at all, and you yeah, go, what, what do you mean by that? Yeah, like, yeah, it, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I want I want to say like okay, yeah. I, I would put them in the category of populist leaders. Yeah. And um, who who played off populism a lot? So, mm -hmm. but but if you put them in a in a chronological way and you look at the history, uh, when they arise, the populist leaders, when Trump rises and when um, Hitler rises, is basically after a huge crisis where, yep. uh, as we were talking, uh, it's, it's explained when when you have a huge crisis and usually the government wants to recover the economy, they buy lots of assets. Mm -hmm. And when they buy, pump all the money in the economy, buy lots of assets, the demand for assets artificially goes up and you, you have the price of assets goes up, right? Yeah. So the people who are rich, who the people who usually own assets, right? If mm -hmm. I'm rich, I'm going to have a house. Mm -hmm. If I'm not rich, I'm not going to have a house. People who are rich become richer, yeah. but people who are poor stay poor. Mm -hmm. So you have the, the, this widening gap between the, between the poor and rich, right? Mm -hmm. So this is usually the times where the populism rises, right? Because the people are becoming hungry and hungrier in majority, right? You have the 1% who is becoming richer, but you have more and more people who, is, who are becoming kind of poorer, mm -hmm. and you have this widening gap, and people are unsatisfied. And at the same time, these people, for the first time in history now, can exactly look to what these rich people are doing. Like on Instagram, yeah. you can yeah. see exactly Dan Bazarian jerking off with 25 models. <laughs> and how, and no, kudos to him, he's yeah. living the life, but like, how can you be satisfied with yourself? Yeah. And not be angry, you know? Well, that you also see people who shouldn't necessarily, I, I don't want to say shouldn't, because the f your, your phone today is your portal to the entire world. You know, having a phone is actually kind of a smart investment, but people who uh, shouldn't be spending their money loosely now do spend it loosely because they want to keep up with the Joneses, yeah, exactly. so to yeah. speak. You know it's what I mean? That, yeah. Oh, everything is set up. Everything yeah. is like encouraging you to, you have to keep up. This is the performance that needs to be done. Yep. Everything is encouraging you to spend, 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 even if you're not able yeah. to do so. Exactly. Yeah, that's here. We were talking about United States because yeah, I, think, yeah. I think I was reading also an analyst report about China and then what analysts do sometimes where I think it's a huge mistake is, well, um, they assume that uh, as Chinese people get richer and the old generation gets richer, they would stop saving. Mm -hmm. They would, yeah, they would, they would start sp spending more. They, they, they're basically coming into their retirement. It's time for them to spend. Yeah. Um, but like in, in China, the, 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 the way the people were brought up and also in the communist countries, more or less, if you went through a period of time where you were born and you went through so many rough things, right? Mm -hmm. um, like in my country, even my generation was in the war. Yeah. Like we were, we were in the war. When I was young, like you would go to the supermarket, there was nothing besides all the paper, mm -hmm. nothing. Mm -hmm. And I was a kid, so I didn't really care, but like my parents were super aware. They were like, my father was like 25, 20, like yeah. me now. Imagine I go to the supermarket, there's nothing. Yeah. Right? Because we are on sanctions. So if you're brought, if you're brought up to this way, as well as your grandma telling you, oh, be careful, save and stuff, yeah. because she'd been through World War II, yeah. World War, you know? They're not going to have the same mentality. And then this predict, oh, yeah, uh, Chinese are coming into, uh, oh, they're, they're going to start spending a lot of money, blah, blah, blah. No, this is true with Americans because mm. you had a more easier life and you think that tomorrow is going to be good. But yeah. if you're Chinese and you've been through genocides and then war and then, again, uh, you're under communist government who's just recently, I mean, since 78, kind mm -hmm. of liberated, you're not having the same mentality. And so this is important to take into consideration. This mm -hmm. is why I'm always mentioning that we are talking about the U.S. Yeah, if, if you if you if you live if you grew up in yeah, deprivation yeah, and yeah. then all of a sudden you're introduced to excess, then you say I'm going to grab up as much as I can before it disappears. The opportunity disappears again. Yeah. Good, good, good uh, example I want to give is I work at a company called Off Grid Box mm -hmm. where we make these uh, we make these uh, hardware boxes on top. You have a, like a solar panel inside. You have 
some uh, electrolysis uh, facility that, that cleans water, water purification. Yeah, stuff. yeah batteries that yeah. are stored. And then anyways, how it works is basically we have these battery packs that come with water. We sell them for $12 and uh, to, to families in Rwanda. Mm -hmm. And then they come and for like 18 cents, they recharge and they can power their house mm -hmm. and have the water for free. Uh, and one key thing was that that we were expecting them to spend, like the projection that they would spend more, they would come, let's say, every week they would come, right? Mm -hmm. But what you realize after time and time, they, they don't come every week because once they get energy, they're like, oh, we better save it. Mm -hmm. And then they were saving it, they were storing it, mm -hmm. and they were coming every week and a half, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the mentality is not, it's not the same. They, even, even if they had the energy, they're not gonna all of a sudden get the TV and try and ask us, oh, can we pay more to get it? No, they're, they're like, no, we're going to save this energy for... Yeah. Who knows if you're going to be here tomorrow, you know? If the war starts or whatever, it's better if you have a battery. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, how many... How so, uh, one hour, five minutes, and we... Will we close out slowly, we can... We moon, can. Mars, back, and uh, then back on Earth. So. Yeah, probably we have a broad, broad sense of topics. I mean, we can, we can definitely do this again. That's one, that's one thing that I was... Well, I was honest throughout, but one thing that I was particularly... Uh, mindful of saying is that yeah I've, I've I've got the gift of gab I can keep talking about <laughs> many things yeah. so so yeah I'd love to come back at some point um, to, to close out uh, this we do all the time to basically what would be your message to the whoever you want to send your message to well I aside from the fact that I'm, I'm not sure if it's if you're leaning more towards an inspiring message for people or just uh, here's my podcast. But okay, the, the, the message would be I am presenting you with these things that I did or these these moods that I felt. And you might see some similarities with yourself. Uh, a, a listener might. And if that's the case, I'm, I'm glad. I'm not telling you to do exactly what I'm doing because each individual case is different. So this isn't like a guidebook. A lot of people try to become gurus right away and say, oh, you gotta, because they're monetizing themselves. They say, oh, I want you to do this, 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 and then you'll be just like me. I'm not doing that. So keep that in mind. The second thing is my podcast, as I mentioned before, is going to be called Man vs. Mob, and that's M-A-N and then V-M-O-B podcast. This is the this is the website. M-A-N-V-P-M-A-N-V-M-O-B-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. And that's due out in August. That's great. Mm -hmm. uh, I wish you all the best luck. And we should definitely do this again um, uh, anytime. Uh, we, we have so many topics to discuss. Yeah. So I hope to see you again. Excellent. My pleasure, man. Thank, Thank you. you.